You're listening to Real Talk Radio with Nicole Antoinette, episode 73. Welcome to Real Talk Radio with Nicole Antoinette. That's me, the podcast that's filled with refreshingly honest conversations about the wonderful mess of being human. More than anything, this show is home to honest conversations between real people. We're not trying to sell you anything. We're not trying to get you to fix yourself. We're not trying to get you stressed out over all those stupid life hacks you need to do or anything like that. Instead, this is a space to just be real, to take a deep breath and talk about all the behind the scenes stuff that I think isn't talked about enough, like our fears, challenges, and insecurities, our secret dreams, our real day-to-day lives, how it feels to try to make changes, what happens when you don't accomplish a goal, and just other truths of being human in a crazy world. As your host, it's so much fun for me to sit down with everyone from athletes, writers, and entrepreneurs to parents, coaches of all kinds, world travelers, adventurers, artists, activists, the list goes on and on, and to then bring those conversations to you. And fair warning that this is an adult podcast, which means that we often cover adult topics and use adult language. My hope for you as a listener of this show is that it makes you laugh, think, and just feel less alone, because honestly, that's all that I ever want, to know that I'm not alone. Something else that's unique about this show is that it's 100% community supported, which means no ads, no sponsors, and no outside influence. Just us here together sharing stories. The show is made possible by listeners like you, awesomely generous people who have pledged $8 or more per eight episode season. To do this, we use a platform called Patreon. And not only does your support keep the show going, but it also earns you access to over 30 hours of exclusive bonus content with new content added every single month. You'll get special bonus episodes with former guests. You'll get my personal end of month goal reflections. You'll get access to our brand new book club. You'll have the opportunity to be featured on an upcoming outro. You'll be able to help shape the future of the show. You'll be able to chat with me and other like-minded people on the community's private feed page. And you'll even be able to access my popular weekly email series called Notes of Grit and Grace, which is only available to Patreon supporters. So for all of that and more, just go to patreon.com slash Nicole Antoinette. That's patreon.com slash Nicole Antoinette. And to the end of this episode, you'll actually get to meet one of our community members who joins me for a quick and hilarious game of Would You Rather and shares what it's like behind the scenes in our Patreon community. So if you believe in this real talk revolution like I do, and if you're in the position to be able to support the show, I can't tell you how much that would mean to me. So thanks so much for the support. And now let's dive right into today's episode. Today, you'll get to meet Aaron Taylor. Aaron is an international yoga coach and the founder and leader of Jazz Yoga, a revolutionary approach to yoga for athletes. As a collegiate basketball player, she first thought yoga was boring and that it was time that could be better spent on the court or in the weight room. It wasn't until she was sidelined by a spinal injury from overtraining that she discovered that there is a path of less resistance. Yoga was the reset that helped her to bring things back into balance. Aaron founded Jazz Yoga with the goal of providing practical yoga solutions to as many people as possible. Over the last decade, she's infused meditation, functional anatomy, and physical therapy techniques into her practice and speaks in a language that athletes can actually hear. Now accessible anytime, anywhere uh, through video.jazzyoga.com and with operations in Seattle and London, Erin's approach has been widely embraced by athletes ranging from recreational to elite and can be configured to help anyone become more balanced and achieve their goals. In this episode, which I absolutely loved, Erin shares what the concept of balance looks like for her in her real everyday life. We also talk about what it means for something to truly be a priority, as well as when to push versus when to be more gentle with yourself. 
Erin shares the story of how she got into yoga, what's unique about her approach, and why her mission is to make yoga more approachable, useful, and practical for both athletes and non-athletes. Oh, and we dig right into the most common excuses people have for why yoga won't work for them, including all the reasons that I used to use myself, and Erin talks through each of them. She also talks openly about being a new mom and about why women need to be kinder to themselves postpartum. Erin is so delightfully real, and I hope that you love her stories and our conversation as much as I did. And actually, at the end of the episode, Erin has such a generous gift for you. I mentioned before that her videos are accessible anytime, anywhere at video.jazzyoga.com. And I am a paying subscriber to these. It's the only yoga that I do. I love it so much. And she is giving you a month free. So you can try that. You can get the code for that towards the end of the episode. Erin shares it with you. Um, and I definitely hope that you give it a shot because I think that you will love it as much as I do. Awesome. We're good to go. Erin, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Nicole. I have been waiting to have you on for seasons and seasons, so I'm very excited that we were finally able to coordinate our time change and schedules. Yeah, me too. Um, How long have you been living in England? About two and a half years now. Oh, wow. I didn't know it was that long. Okay, so tell me the story of how you wound up there. Yeah, so I was living in Seattle and uh, with my husband, who happens to be English, and uh, we had no we had no specific plans to to move back to the UK. But um, he just had a great great job opportunity, so we decided to grab it and go for it. Um, luckily, like it was kind of interesting. Like he was presented with this opportunity at the same time that he was getting his U.S. citizenship, and so. Um, it was like all a little bit awkward because we were trying to time the starting of his new job with the uncertainty of when he was finally going to get his um, citizenship. But now we're so happy we did that. Um, having the duel, the duel has been really awesome for him. So, how have you found the transition for you personally? Um, it's uh, it's been challenging. It's um, it's a radical lifestyle change to, to say the least. It's funny. I feel like you living in the States, um, I myself and many people I know, I think there's almost there's like this perception that it's, well, it's, it's not that different there. They speak English and, um, but it is a very foreign country and, um, it, uh, yeah, it really took me a while to settle into the London lifestyle because um, we live very, very centrally in London. And as a gal who grew up in the, the Northwest in nature, um, it was a little bit of a shock to the system. But um, it's an awesome place to be. And um, not long after we moved here, getting, getting pregnant with our, with our first child um, actually really helped the the transition because that is like a really great way to connect and make new friends is um, have a baby. So yeah. yeah, that's funny. I never thought about that, but I guess yeah, because then <laughs> there's just other people that you can meet that are in like similar situations or groups or class or thing. I don't know. I imagine it would be easier to make friends that way. Yeah, it was for sure. I actually started going to um, prenatal yoga classes, which is where I I made a lot of my now the the women who are some of my best friends. Um, so that was, that was really nice. So were you guys planning to stay there? Is this thought of as a permanent move? Um, it's indefinite. People ask me this all the time. And, um, 
To be honest, we change our mind like every day. <laughs> um, but ultimately we are, I mean, we feel like we're West Coast people and we just, um, we miss nature. <laughs> so, um, but for, for the moment, we're just, we're, we're enjoying ourselves and we really just like want to rock it hard and just enjoy, enjoy everything that Lennon has to offer. Cause it is, it, it's a great, um, you know, dynamic, amazing city to be in. So I feel really, really fortunate to have the opportunity to live here. Yeah, no, I lived there for six years-ish when I was younger. I partially grew up there. Um, you're right. It's definitely a great city. It's funny. I have, before moving to Bend, have only ever lived in really big cities. Like I grew up in Manhattan and in London and then lived in LA and San Francisco. And so the uh-huh. nature the nature thing is very new for me. And I wonder if I would have <laughs> a hard time now going back, right? Like, like I was so used to living in big cities, but now I, sometimes my husband and I even talk about, well, maybe Ben's getting a little too crowded. Maybe there's somewhere we could move. That's (laughs) like, are we going to wind up just like living in the middle of the woods alone? Probably. (laughs) That's really funny because my husband and I always like, we feel like we're kind of like isolationists in some ways. We just love, like, we love being in nature. We love like just having a bit of space and just, um, we're really like content, um, just being together and, and not having all this crazy action around that, you know, is, is accompanying the, the, the London lifestyle. So, um, yeah, it's funny. That sounds Ben. We love Bend, by the way. Um, would love to, to spend more time there in the future. I think you should definitely do that. Aren't you're coming this year, right? At some point. I am indeed. I'm, I am teaching at Lauren's Lauren Fleshman's Wilder retreat in August. Uh, teaching yoga. Yes. Yes. That's right. Um, that's going to be awesome. I've heard good things. I mean, obviously from Lauren and from other attendees and stuff that have gone, I've heard that that retreat's incredible. Yeah, really, really looking forward to it. That's going to be awesome. Well, good. Then I will get to see you when you're here, hopefully, which will be yes. really fun. Um, yes. So we are into the new year. What is important for you this year? Are you like a goal setting person? Are you like, how does, how does it look for you to kind of think about, you know, starting a new year? I am very goal oriented and I always have been. Um, that being said, well, I mean, really my, my main goal, my main focus, um, for this year really hasn't changed that much from past years. Um, balance is my, is my main goal. And it's something that is constantly shifting and, you know, constantly redefining, um, what it, what it means for me. And, um, trying to get really real about, about how to settle into it, um, as circumstances change. So balance is really my focus. Um, one thing I actually, that, that comes to mind, um, that really shifted like my whole perspective on like setting goals for the new year. Cause I always have been like just so goal oriented. Um, the year before, right before I got pregnant with, with our daughter, this was, um, 2015. Um, it was, you know, it was like December. I'm kind of thinking about, all right, what are my goals for, for the new year? And I kind of like had this moment where I was like, you know what, (laughs) I don't want to set any really specific goals for the next year. It just like, didn't, didn't feel right to me. And, um, I think it's because for years, um, for years, I wanted to get pregnant. I wanted to have a baby and I also wanted to publish a book. And so 
for a number of years, it's like, these are, these are like these two like major things that I like had on this like to-do list of my goals for the year, like have a baby, write a book. And, um, and it took a lot longer than we thought it would for us to get pregnant. And so, um, actually this is 2014. Um, at the end of the year, I just had this moment where I was like, you know what, like, (laughs) I'm not going to put these things on my like to-do list again. And, I decided that rather than setting really specific goals, my my focus was balance more broadly. And alongside that, just allowing myself to be in a little bit more of a creative flow, um, you know, which requires that you be very fluid. You can't be so rigid about like the agenda. And um, this was like a major shift for me. And um, so I feel like it's no coincidence that like, a month after, a month after like that, that shift, um, I got pregnant and I was offered a book deal. So, <laughs> so, you know, that's, that, that was like really big learning for me and has really like changed, um, changed the way I, I approach this sort of like new year's setting goals for the year. Um, so again, like for this year, like it's, it's, it's kind of similar. I have, you know, a really like ambitious set of things that I'd like to accomplish, but, um, balance comes first, creative flow comes first because that really, um, that, that really needs to guide everything that I do. And, um, I'm way more effective as a result. Yeah, so I want to dig into this a little bit because I feel like balance is one of those words that's thrown around a lot, but kind of in this Mm -hmm. like loose, undefined way, right? So when you say that that's a focus of yours, what does that actually like practically in your day to day life look like? Like what, how do you define balance for yourself? For me, um, and well, for everyone, I think the the thing about balance is that it's different every day (laughs) for every person. And you can't like, you can't just like write this plan of, okay, well, if I do this, this, and this, then I'm balanced and I'm winning. Like it just, it doesn't work like that. (laughs) Balance, in my opinion, is a way of being that requires you to continually and really constantly just be aware of where you're at and what's needed (laughs) and be willing to respond accordingly. Um, and I think that it's really challenging because <laughs> we are so busy and, and, and people, people are doing so much. And, you know, for, for me personally, like it's, um, it's been challenging, um, making the transition to being a mom and running my business and living in another country. And, um, really I, it's forced me to really like surrender to the, the, the process and, um, get more real about like, like where I'm at each day. And I think like one of the most challenging things, like you can, you can be aware of your, where you're at. You can say like, Oh, I'm tired or, Oh, you know, I need to do X, Y, or Z. But then oftentimes like we're not willing to respond. We're not willing to like prioritize, like actually doing what's going to help us be more balanced. Um, and obviously there's things like you can't control. You can't be like, Oh, (laughs) I'm too tired to go to work today. So I'm just not going to go like, you know, I mean, obviously, um, you have to be real about like the things that are like really often non-negotiable, but, um, yeah. So 
being aware of where we're at and willing to respond, like that's what I am practicing more than, more than anything every day. Um, it's funny, like, yes, the other day, um, like I just had one of these days, like with, with my, with my baby where I just like, oh, I just, it was a really tough day. She was really fussy. And I just like, I just like felt like crying all day. And then the next day I felt like superwoman, like after only sleeping four hours. So it's kind of like, every day is so different. And, um, you know, when I was having this really challenging day with her, I gave myself permission to lay down some of the things I had planned to accomplish. Like, you know, I'd planned to like write a blog and work on my next book. And, you know, I had this list of, of things and I just, it just wasn't working. Um, and so I gave myself permission to shift my focus to other things and, you know, I think that's a big part of the reason why I felt way better the next day. Yeah, so, definitely. No, I yeah. mean, I think this is an, it's an awesome answer. It's, you know, it's, it's funny. It's a very like type A thing to want to plan out how you're going to be balanced, right? Well, like as long yeah. as I, like I'm going to meditate in the morning and then I'm going to do that, like, and to have this plan of as long as I tick all these boxes and follow this, like that's a balanced life. Okay, go. And then <laughs> that's, but it doesn't like we, it's funny. I, <laughs> I, it's like we want to control all the things, right? And like the answer that you just gave, yeah. I feel like is the truest thing that I've ever heard about this. And yet, like we don't want that to be the truth, right? Like I, we want yeah. the answer to be, okay, Aaron, give me like the five steps to like, <laughs> magic, you know, like fairy balance, whatever. Like, right. But that's not, I don't know. It's, I mean, so obviously it's refreshing to hear someone talk honestly about it. And also to just, I've thought, I think about this a lot. It comes up in the podcast a lot. It comes up in my writing a lot. You know, the kind of weekly email series that I send to our community, it's called the Notes of Grit and Grace. And so this idea of kind of balancing or having both grit and grace, and it applies to so much of what you just said. It's like, because I do believe in, you know, being ambitious and and hard work is hard and the things that you want are probably not going to come easy and, you know, that you have to do things even when you're not in the mood to do them. And like that whole like grittiness of it, I absolutely believe in. (laughs) But then also everything else that you just said is true as well, right? So it's being able to, I don't know if I'm articulating this, but for me, it took a long time to be able to trust myself that when I was kind of being more gentle with myself or like you said, okay, I need to put down this to-do list of things today. Like this is not what's going to happen today. Recognizing when I actually need to do that versus when I'm avoiding something or really just being lazy and should push myself or I don't know, there's a lot of kind of self-awareness and like that type of work that had to happen for me to get to the point where I was even able to make those good decisions. Mm-hmm. You know. Definitely. Totally agree. And I think like the other part of it is, um, I, I really believe that like that this idea of balance, I really just think that it's something like that we're designed for. It's like our most natural state of being. And yet like the pace of life today, like has, has made it, so that balance like feels like this radical ideal. Um, whereas really it should just be our most, our most natural state. And I think that people, there's maybe this perception like, Oh, you know, if I let go and I take a slightly more gentle approach to whether you're an athlete and you're like, Oh, well, I can't like back off my training. I won't be able to, you know, accomplish whatever, um, you know, or people think they work less, like they're going to, they're going to miss out. But I think that if you take, um, a path of a little bit less resistance 
actually settling into more balance will bring you more ease. And as a result, you will be way more effective and accomplish way, way more. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's what I found to be really true for myself. Yeah, I've heard that discussed around the ideas of meditation, like super high performers are afraid that if they do, right, if they do meditate, or if they are kind of more gentle on themselves, or whatever, that they'll lose their edge, or their like, however we define it, that it's almost like same thing with creativity, that we hold on to this kind of weird narrative, like narrative or archetype of, you know, you have to be this like, manic, drunk, whatever, in order to be a good writer or something, you know, I mean, that's just like one (laughs) small example, but we hold on to these things of like, well, if I do all of this kind of self-care work, or like you said, like lean into more ease, then like, I'm going to lose what makes me, I don't know, funny or special or able to work hard or that like that. And I definitely, I think it's a really prevalent belief and I think it's a false belief. I, and what you're saying makes so much sense. Yeah, totally. And with balance, like I think, you know, part of it, like, like for me, there are, there is like a number of things like that I feel like um, I need and are very important to me in order to like feel balanced. For example, meditation is a priority for me. Um, and having a baby <laughs> has made it very challenging to like main- maintain a consistent practice. Like whereas before I had her, you know, I would practice, I would meditate for 20 minutes twice a day day. And now my goal is to meditate for five to 10 minutes a day. And, um, I found that, and I, I can't, I can no longer like be rigid about like when that's going to happen. Instead, I have to, I have to trust that a window will present itself to me at, at some point during the day. And when that happens, like I have to grab it and, and go for it. And other, and some days, like I only get to meditate for two minutes, but, um, you know, knowing that it's important to me and it's a priority, um, I make it happen every day and I've learned to embrace the fact that anything is better than nothing. Like, whereas I used to be, you know, hard on myself that, oh, well, if I can't sit for 10 or 20 minutes, at least like it's, it's, you know, it's, it's not worth it. Well, that's just not true. Like two minutes is, is radical if you do it, if, if you do it consistently, So, um, being really fluid about how I fit in these things that really help me to stay balanced. Okay. So I need you to teach me all of your secrets of how you got to this (laughs) mental, emotional place of acceptance and surrender, because everything you just said sounds amazing. (laughs) No, well, it's like I said, like it's, um, I have to be honest, actually the other day, um, actually it was about a week ago, I did finally like in the day I was like really like getting a little bit antsy because it was the afternoon and I hadn't meditated yet. And I just, I really like when you meditate consistently, I think you will find that it's something that like you crave and just feels like a normal part of your day, like brushing your teeth. It's not like this thing on your to-do list. And it was the afternoon and you know, finally, like my baby does not have like a regular schedule and she, she like had this unexpected nap. So I'm like, sweet. I have a few minutes to just like be still and, you know, and relax. And, um, there was something I wanted to say about it on social media. And I made the mistakes, the mistake of before I actually just did my meditation, I spent, you know, like too long, 
getting a picture and like art- trying to articulate this thought about meditation. So I like post this Instagram and then I'm like, oh, okay, now I'm going to meditate. And like 30 seconds into it, she wakes up and starts crying. And I, I like could not believe that I missed my chance to meditate because I was too busy posting an Instagram about it. Like it's an amazing so, story. Oh I just, I totally vowed like that. I'm never going to let that happen again. Cause that's just like, I, and I'm like, I'm embarrassed about that. I'm kind of surprised. I'm like telling this story, but, but it's, um, the point is like when you have, when the time presents itself to you, you have to be aware of what is the most important thing in this moment and you need to do that. You need to not be like, oh, you know, I need to post a, post a damn Instagram or I need to do the dishes or whatever. Like you really need to like prioritize like doing what really matters in that moment. And that's very much something that that I'm working on. No, that's that's an incredible story. I feel like, I mean, I can relate. I think everyone can relate to that. So you're definitely not alone, right? And feeling that way. But it's, yeah, it's the, I mean, two things that you just kind of brought up that I want to underscore that this idea of, and it's so easy with social media to kind of prioritize talking about the thing versus actually doing the thing, right? Like posting a picture of the treadmill is not the same as actually going on the run. Not that you can't do both, but you know, it's like, don't get ahead of yourself. Do the thing first, even if no one, right? Like it's like the, if the tree falls in the forest and no one's around, like if you meditate and don't put it on social media, it still counts. Yeah, exactly. Totally. And also I was finding that like, um, I love, I love to run. And like, I finally realized not too long ago that like, like in the, in the the moment that I finished my run, like, I just feel this, I just was feeling this like pressure to just to rush. Like, cause usually, usually my girl falls asleep. Um, well, I should back up and say like, it is incredibly, incredibly rare that I get to run without the stroller, (laughs) which is unfortunate, but, um, so she always falls asleep usually when when I when I run and I was finding that at the end of my run I just was feeling so like rushed to like check Twitter or check my email or just rush home so I could try to have a shower before before she woke up and just this this like anxiety to rush and like do these things and there's no way I can like do all the things I feel like I want to do before she's going to wake up. And, um, as a result of like that anxiety, I was like totally skipping on like the stuff that I, that I'm talking about that I teach, which is, you know, like the value of, of spending like as little as 30 seconds, like doing, doing something to help yourself find more balance. Um, so I like have this new rule for myself, like, um, at the end of every run, like no matter what is going on or like how rushed I feel to do whatever, um, I have to do minimum for, uh, I have to do a minimum of three, three yoga poses, three different stretches before I can like carry on. Like I have to like allow myself that space, that pause to just be in my body and embody what I, what it is that's so important to me. And, um, so that's, that's made a big difference for me 
Yeah, more I, love, recently. I love that perspective switch of that it doesn't have to be all or nothing, right? That it's not, well, I can either do 40 minutes of yoga or what's the point I'm going to do no, absolutely zero yoga. That this three poses is better than zero poses, right? So yeah, I think, totally. I mean, I, I think that's a principle that applies to a lot of other things. And then the other thing I just wanted to kind of highlight that you said before that really stuck out for me, this idea that like everything can't be priority and that it's, I don't know, it's really easy to say that something is our priority, but then mm-hmm. when it actually comes to that moment of, wait, I said this was important to me. Am I going to do this, even though it means I'm not going to get these other things done, right? Or am I going to mm-hmm. do kind of like the lowest hanging fruit, easiest thing, which is often not the thing that we have prioritized. And it's being able to be honest with yourself about that is sometimes an uncomfortable process, right? But like... Oh, yeah. It's it's so uncomfortable. Um, but I feel like you just got to... You have to be like hardcore about it, though, like in order like to find this this balance like you have to like be disciplined with yourself about you know what is the priority um in that in that moment and like like i said like the the most difficult part is then like being willing to respond accordingly to what's needed so yeah. So that example that you gave about kind of this new little rule for yourself of after running, I have to do three yoga poses or whatever. Are there any other, I mean, rules might be too hard of a word, but is there anything else in your life where you've tried to like really, okay, I've said this thing is my priority. Here's the way that I'm going to make that happen. Like anything else that you try to kind of build your schedule or whatever around? Um, I would say the most important things, um, well, I mean, my baby is, is my priority and giving her my full attention when I'm with her, which is most of the time is, is like something I aim for. And like keeping, keeping my phone, um, out of her face is really important to me. But that, that being said, you know, I'd say sort of my top things that I try to make non-negotiable every day are meditation and yoga and writing um, running, I try, I try to make happen as much as, as much as I can and as much as I have the energy for it. Um, but really writing, um, yoga and meditation are non-negotiable. And, you know, as someone who like, you know, has been in the past, very type A, like it's, it's been like, it's been challenging for me to, to just trust that, you know, I can't plan exactly when those things are going to happen in the day, but they are my priorities and trusting that like those little, those little pockets of time will present themselves and like, I'll know what to do when that time comes up, you know, rather than like mindlessly, like wasting those 15 minutes here or there on, you know, social media. Um, Mm. so, um, so yeah, yeah, meditation like has definitely like changed for me a lot, but I just um uh I'm really enjoying that I still am able to do it every day and like I'm now, I've like finally gotten to this point where I just I feel really I can really feel the difference and I feel proud of myself when even I just sit for 2 minutes. Um and same thing with yoga, like um you know, I used to practice a ton every day. And since I've had my baby, I haven't practiced more than 15 minutes at a time. Like that's the honest truth. And she's now, she, she's only 15 months old. So it's like, um, it's just, uh, like you were saying with, with 
I think a lot of people think, oh, I need to like spend this, spend all this time or with yoga, people are like, oh, I, I, if I don't go to a class, if I don't spend an hour, it doesn't make a difference. But I, I think that spending five minutes a day, um, delivers far greater benefit than attending one class a week. Um, when you're aware of what is needed and you can address those specific things in those five minutes. Yeah, it really is so funny how we hold ourselves back by this, I don't know, these like false beliefs of how long something should take, right? Or how long we have to dedicate to it in order for it to be worth it. Or I don't know, like I just think of so many examples in my life where, I mean, yoga is a good one. Well, if I'm not going to do it for an hour, like we like, where does that come? It's so funny. Like where these things come from that we like make things such a big deal that don't have to be such a big deal. And like, I love that you brought up this idea of priorities because I don't know. I like, I just, I think it's, it is, it's one of those things that's really easy to talk about, like to say that something's important to you, but if something's important, you schedule it and also, you know, what you're saying that if for whatever reason the scheduled, you know, plan doesn't work out, that you're flexible enough that you can fit it in in other ways, right? That it's, yeah. I don't know, I, I have noticed a big shift for me in my life when I am actually acting on my priorities. And like the, just mm-hmm. like the, even what that word means, right? That, if you're going to do something that by default means that you're not doing other things and that like that has to be, that has to be fine. Like when you're choosing to dedicate your time, energy, attention to something, okay, well other things are not going to get done. And that that's, that has to be, I know this might be a really kind of strange example that just popped into my head, but towards the end of last year, my husband and I were kind of having a conversation about, you know, what was amazing from 2016? What was hard? You know, what might we want to change in the new year? And one of the things that came up for both of us is we want to make time to have more sex. Like that, that was just something that always mm. gets pushed aside because I always think, oh my God, I need like three hours. I don't need three hours. Like that. Like, what, am I, what am I going to do for three hours? Literally, what am I going to do for three hours? Nothing. Right. And so we had this conversation and we were like, okay, this, what we're going to try. <laughs> Apparently I'm sharing this private business with everyone, but that we were like, all right, sex is sexy Saturday. That's going to be our thing. Like that, that's going to be something that we're dedicated to like Saturday morning. That's priority. And like, obviously it's a Saturday now when we're recording. And I knew that I was recording with you at eight and I'm like, okay, well that means you don't get to do your run in the morning. Maybe I'll do my run later or maybe I'll skip it for the day because yes, running's important, but this is more important. And that's what priorities mean. And I was like, I don't know. I had this moment this morning where I'm like, oh yeah, like it feels good to choose like to honor the thing that I said was most important, even if that means that something else that's also important doesn't get done. And that's fine. Yes, definitely. So that's a sexy thank, Saturday. <laughs> thanks for sharing that one. <laughs> um, so awesome. going back to yoga, I would like to hear the story of the very first time that you did yoga. Sure. Um, Well, the first time I did yoga um, was in college. Uh, I played basketball and I had a serious back injury and was basically like out for the season. And our team doctor told me to do some yoga. And (laughs) I was like, yeah, whatever. Uh, Luckily, we were in San Francisco and there's loads of loads of different yoga options. And I went to this this class that was offered actually on campus. And, um, the teacher was basically like wearing balloon pants and like just started with all this like oming and Sanskrit. And I was like there with a teammate and we just like could not stop laughing. And I was like, this is bullshit. And, um, but, um, 
Yeah. I mean, and it just like, it was, it was just like, it was just like such a joke because, um, we, we really just couldn't start la- stop laughing just because of all the like Sanskrit. I think like someone in the class next to us farted. Um, yeah, it just, I just have this kind of just, this general memory of just like silliness being in that first class. Um, that being said, as an athlete, um, injuries are devastating and you're willing to do anything to get back out there. And, you know, I remember chatting with like our team doctor, like after that yoga experience and being like, yeah, I'm just like, not so sure that's actually going to help. And, um, they were just, uh, this doctor was like a big believer just in, in the power of yoga to, um, build core strength and increase flexibility, which were some of the key things I needed to work on. And so as someone who was like, desperate to get my shit together I was like okay I'm willing to I'm willing to like stay with it and and like see if this is gonna help me and um sure enough like after continuing like each class like I started to like focus a little bit more and really like pay attention to what was happening and um more than actually what was happening in the class a lot of like the poses um and also some some like PT exercises that are very similar to yoga poses um, that I had been taught, I started to really commit to and practice on my own. Um, And I remember during that time, like it was like eight months that I was like not able to do anything really other than like yoga and work on core stuff. And I couldn't run like and just walking. And, um, during this time of like, just exploring different, like yoga options. Um, I remember really like specifically thinking to myself, I wish there was like a, a, a routine or a style of yoga or a teacher who could like speak more specifically to my needs as a basketball player and like connect the dots for me of like, how, how is this specific pose going to like, what is it doing in your body? And then how is that going to make you a better basketball player? Like those dots were not being connected. And that's something that I like was really wanting even at that time. And so when I finally, um, when I finally was able to start playing again, I was just like a different athlete. I was just like so much stronger. Um, I had, I felt like I had so much more endurance and it wasn't necessarily cause I was like, I mean, if anything, I should have felt really out of shape cause I'd like not been able to run or anything for, for so long. But it was because I had this awareness and control of my breath that I had never had before. And that really gave me this feeling of so much more endurance. Um, so I really felt like firsthand getting back out there, like the impact that, that yoga had made on me as an athlete. Um, and so ultimately really that's what inspired me to want to, um, bring the benefits of yoga to other athletes and to really like connect the dots of how, how it can help you in any sport. 
Yeah, I can relate to so much of um, what you were saying about your initial, you know, kind of perception of yoga and why it wasn't for you or why it wasn't meeting your needs as an athlete. I mean, I can't, I honestly couldn't even count the number of studios I've been to in different cities and different states and, you know, trying to find, because I, I understand why yoga is helpful for me, right? Like as a person, as a runner, I like that there, I I get it, but I just personally could never really get into, like you said, like the super Sanskrit class, like the, like, how how do I want to say this? I think that some people, for some people, yoga is more of a spiritual practice, right? Which is awesome. And then that, but that's not what it is for me. I'm really looking at kind of the physical element of it and the breath work. And, you know, I'm less interested in some of the more complex, like I don't need to do a headstand. That's not something that I'm interested in. And so I would go to classes and then we'd wind up spending half the class doing something that I was not interested in. Right. Or that it wasn't really part of my right. goal. So which, and again, like there's nothing wrong with that. Like, that's awesome. That's what some people are super into, but I just constantly found myself being really frustrated, especially as mm. someone who isn't naturally at all flexible, right? And I know that that can improve and range of motion stuff can improve, but I felt like so much of what was happening in these classes, like I just physically couldn't do. And I would just wind up leaving feeling like, well, I was here for 90 minutes and, you know, I don't feel any. And so it was such a relief for me finding your work and like obviously being a paying subscriber of your videos. Like you're just, you're doing something that I have not seen anyone else doing. Like it's so approachable and like it's not too like woo woo and it's not I mean I don't know like it it works for me so I'm very grateful that you're doing the work that you're doing because it's just so nice to be able to choose like I'm gonna do a five minute video or 15 or 20 that there's like different options it doesn't have to be 90 minutes or nothing and that it's just like it gets the job done and is enjoyable and is not I don't know it's not like something that I have Mm -hmm. to psych myself into doing so you are doing an awesome job with your work in the world Oh, thanks, Nicole. Glad to hear you're you're enjoying the videos. Um, it's funny. I found that like, I mean, obviously, jazz yoga really like started as a yoga for athletes practice. But I found that like it's had a much broader appeal amongst all kinds of people who are just like interested in a more straightforward, like practical approach, like to actually like solving imbalance um, and. So it's just been really my mission to like offer the offer, like really practical, real solutions to as many people as possible, like yoga for real. It's like, um, like you're saying, I think a lot of like yoga out there today, it's kind of like one of two extremes. It's either like really kind of like hippy dippy, which is awesome. Like I love a lot of that stuff. I just, that's not what I choose to teach. Um, it's either like hippy dippy or it's just this like, hardcore extreme like everywhere everyone wearing lululemon like power vinyasa so it's like it's like one of those two extremes and like i just i especially like um for athletes who i'm tailoring uh, a lot of my content most of my content for like it's just those aren't necessarily like practical solutions or entry points um for them yeah, so tell me about the day that you decided to start your business. Like, what did it look like at the beginning? Um, in the beginning, um, I was living in the Bay Area, and um, I was actually working as a journalist. And um, I just, 
had been just doing a ton of yoga. Um, this after university, I, I just got really like really into yoga and like going to all kinds of different classes. So I've, you know, really explored like really what yoga has to offer. And, um, along the way, like as I sampled all kinds of different styles and teachers, like really thinking about it in the context of the athletic experience and, um, really with that inspiration that what I wanted to do was like bring yoga to athletes, make it practical for athletes. And, um, I really just wasn't seeing anyone offer a meaningful class for athletes. Like every now and again, um, back then, actually, no, not really back then there, I, I really wasn't seeing any yoga for athletes classes. Um, but over the years, like when I do see like yoga for athletes, I, I'm just curious, like what other people's like ideas and perspective, um, is, and everything I've seen really, I just, I don't think is doing a really, um, a really effective job of like, like I said, connecting the dots. It's like, you go to this yoga class called yoga for athletes. And it's like, Oh, that was nice yoga class. But like, how is it different than any yoga class? Like most of the yoga for athletes classes I've been to, you've got some teacher who sees athletic bodies and just wants to work them hard. And, um, the reality for, for most athletes, regardless of like sport or level, whether you're, you know, a, just a recreational training for your first 5k or you're an elite, you know, 800 meter runner, like it doesn't matter. Um, the last thing you need is for yoga to be just another workout. Like yoga for athletes should not be athletic yoga, in my opinion. If anything, we should be thinking, it all comes back to balance. Like we should be thinking about how we can use yoga to find more balance because that optimizes everything. And for most athletes and most people in general, I would venture to say like, we work out enough, like we push ourselves enough, like what we're going to benefit from is really like using our time on the mat to become more aware of where we're at and our imbalances and then respond accordingly, really like do the things that are going to help to bring us back to that, that center point, that equilibrium that we're designed for. Um, and oftentimes I, like, I just really believe that is more restorative activities, um, that's what's needed. Um, but I, I don't think I answered, I think your question was actually how I decided to start my business anyway. So, so yeah, I just really decided like, that's what I wanted to do. So I started teaching, I started teaching yoga on the side while I was working as a, as a journalist and just gradually, um, built up enough classes and clients that I made what felt like a very, very scary, scary leap to, um, to just teaching full time. Actually, like I remember really specifically the day I made the decision to like quit my, um, my job as a reporter and just teach yoga. Um, I was like out for a walk with, with my mom. Like I have to credit her for, um, we were talking and, um, she's, she said to me, why don't you just quit your job. Like, just, just do it. Like you can do it. Like, it'll be okay. Cause I had, you know, all these practical concerns, you know, obviously like paychecks and things, but, um, um, she was, 
she was she was just like spot on and, and her encouragement really helped to give me the courage to like take the leap and focus my attention on yoga. Yeah, I mean I also think that that something that's important and relevant from that story that you just shared. Like we hear so much of this like just leap and the net will appear. Like it's not like you decided oh, I like yoga, I think I'm going to quit and like see what's possible. Again, not that there's anything wrong with that, but you were teaching on the side and you were building it up. And like, it seems mm-hmm. really sexy, this idea of like, just quit everything and it'll work out, right? But like, <laughs> what you did is actually a more practical. So I'm sure it was still really scary, obviously, and it was taking risks, yeah. but it wasn't as risky as like, you know, not having experience as a teacher, not having done any of that, right? You had a pretty good idea. This is something that I like. This is obviously something I'm good at. This is something people are willing to pay for, which makes it, I guess, somewhat less scary, hopefully. Right. No, it wasn't like this cold turkey thing. Like as much as I like the idea of that, no, I definitely like, I really like laid the groundwork for it, um, over really like a, a couple of years. Um, so yeah. Yeah. I feel, I feel really fortunate. And I mean, this is like 10, this is over 10 years ago. Um, especially, I mean, since then yoga has become an incredibly, incredibly, um, competitive business. And I actually just, I feel really fortunate that, um, I back then was able to really spot just this gaping hole in the, in the marketplace of something that, you know, is really needed. That is my passion and that I've been able to really like pour myself into that and share, share my skills, um, to benefit those people. Yeah. I mean, there's something to be said for solving your own problem, right? Or scratching your own itch, however you want to word it. This was obviously something that if you as an athlete felt that this was missing and it was something that you wish you had, not to say that's always going to wind up making something successful, but I think it's a pretty good place to start to be. I mean, I think of for me, it was that was the same kind of impetus for starting the podcast that, you know, my I want to have more honest conversations about stuff like, yeah, I want someone to tell me about their like sexy Saturday routine or whatever, like these things that we just don't talk about. Right. And yeah. so I'm like, well, if I want that, I can't be the only one who wants that. So I think that's it's also, you know, it's good to hear that that was kind of the transition for you of being frustrated that a thing that you wanted just didn't exist, even as you were actively looking for it and then to think okay well maybe I'm gonna be maybe I'm the one that I've been waiting for right like that type of thing Um, yeah and you know definitely something else that I wanted to go back to when you were talking about um what I think is more unique about your approach or at least stands out for me this yeah because I've been to classes that were kind of marketed as yoga for athletes right which I think the only thing for me in those classes versus the other classes was kind of the elimination of what we were talking about, maybe more like the hippie side of things or more of the, you know, there's no chanting, right? (laughs) Or or whatever. Mm -hmm. And that was really the only difference. But it was still, again, like it wasn't really connecting the dots. And it was still, like you said, like a really kind of a hard workout, which I think most athletes, like you're getting that covered in your regular training. Like what I need from yoga is not another hard workout. If I'm really honest, like I need it to be complementary to the things that I'm already doing that were really hard. And I felt like that was something that I couldn't find. Like I could find yoga that was supposed to be for athletes or that was less hippie or that I would maybe enjoy the class more, but it was still like really hard, (laughs) which is not what I wanted. Yep, definitely. Yeah, that's that's like... So true. And I've heard this like so many times from so many like athletes and 
going back to, I think that there's just this thing like, oh, like I need to like go to this like 60 or 90 minute class. And so I can check yoga off my list for the week. Like, cause athletes have heard that yoga will help them, uh, which is great that, that people's minds are open to it. Um, but it's not, it's not just about like going to some one random class a week so you can check it off your list. Like in my opinion, you're risking more harm than doing good. Like if that's your approach to yoga, I think what, um, like what athletes need to be doing is spending five minutes a day on the things that are very real for them based on what specifically they're doing and what their goals are. So it's like, it's not just about doing yoga. It's how you do it that matters. And this is something that I'm really, um, that, that jazz yoga is really like working to get athletes really thinking about like, how are you using it to achieve your goals? Like we should be using it to like fill in some of those gaps and really like connect the dots of how we're getting from point A to point B. Um, because the reality is that sports cause imbalance. Like, and if you don't address them, you will get injured eventually. Like that's a fact. <laughs> and, um, five minutes a day, um, will go so far to keep you healthy and moving you forward toward your goals. So, um, yeah, I just, um, I, I just, I think the more yoga, the more yoga, the better, like it's great that there's so much yoga out there, but it's just like, you know, if you look at like social media, it's just like, Oh, all these picture bikini handstand pictures and like, Oh, that's, that's great if you can put your foot behind your head. But if I'm an athlete, like, I want to know, like, how is that going to help me run faster? Like, that's what we should be thinking about as athletes, um, in my opinion. Well, yeah, I mean, I also think I mentioned before that I feel like your, you know, classes, whatever videos are really approachable. I think that that's something athlete or not, that's really relevant. I'm not surprised when you said before that, you know, it's, you that you've had such a wider audience right than just athletes and i think it's a lot of it's appealing to the people like me who i mean i mean i guess i can't say this for a fact you never know what would happen but i feel like i could work on it my whole life and never be able to put my leg behind my head like it's just not like this i don't think that's ever going to happen okay so but that's fine right but there can be i think in in the yoga community some of that well if i'm not like like you said, blonde, wearing Lululemon, like super, super thin and bendy. If I can't, you know, put my leg behind my head, it's it's like this ideal that, I, I mean, I'm never going to reach. I'm never going to be that, right? And so yeah. that doesn't mean that yoga isn't worthwhile for me or like that that's not the goal. And again, like it's not to demonize those people or, <laughs> you know, if that is your goal to be able to put your leg behind your head, that's awesome. Go for that. But that's not my goal. And I don't see myself, like representation matters, right? That I don't see, like I see myself in like you and your story and your videos. And like that, I think that that it's important to be able to, I don't know, to find something that doesn't feel alienating. And I think a lot of yoga sometimes does. Like it feels not real, not realistic. Yeah, definitely. And I am just more than ever just feel so like passionate and committed like to 
yoga for real. Like that is like, that's what I want to offer. That's the story I want to tell. That's, those are the stories I want people to tell, you know, how are you you using yoga for real in your real life? Whether, you know, whether the only yoga you could do today is five minutes of legs up the wall with your toddler, like climbing all over you, or, you know, or you spent, you know, five minutes, um, activating your glutes to give you more power on your run. Like I, I want to hear people talking about how they're using it for real. Um, not just gratuitous, like, Oh, oh look, I can do a handstand on this and that like, it's, you know, no offense to, to those people. Cause I think that's amazing. Like the things that people can do with their bodies in yoga these days. But, um, I, I just want to, I want real stories and real, you know, um, honestly, I think that these real stories really, they're what lead to real results also. So, yeah, well, I mean, and you mentioned kind of, uh, the teaching and the knowledge piece of, okay, activating your glutes right before a run or something like that. Like it's one thing to go to a class and go through a sequence, but I'm really interested in learning, okay, well, why am I doing this? Like what's the, like not just going through the motions of doing it, like understanding why certain moves or certain poses or certain stretches are going to help with, you know, whether it's core strength or glute activation or, you know, any kind of imbalance or those types of things. So is that kind of what you mean when you're talking about teaching athletes how to use yoga to help them achieve their goals? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that adding that context is, is critical. Like, so when, so when I teach, I try to talk about, um, what's actually happening in your body when you're doing this pose or this movement, like what's happening beneath the surface specifically, and how is that going to help you on your run or whatever it is that you're doing, adding that, um, that layer of context and understanding ultimately is what really gives people the motivation to do this stuff. And like, more importantly, to do it right, you know, not to just like go through the motion and and tick the boxes of, oh, I did my PT exercises today or whatever, you know, really like, um, connecting the, the dots that that knowledge and understanding. And I think that that overall is really lacking in a lot of yoga that's out there today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I totally agree. So thinking back to kind of those early days when you decided to start doing this full time, what was most challenging for you or kind of what were your biggest growing pains with the business? Um, growing pains, I mean, well, just like figuring out business. Um, I'm, I'm you know, like that, that was, it's been a ton, it's been a ton of, ton of learning for me, just, um, like what business entails and how to, how to build a business. And, um, you know, cause I was, I was a single woman when I was, when I was getting started in all this and I had no business like background or knowledge. And so I was really learning, learning, as I went along. And, um, you know, when I decided really that my mission is to like get these solutions to as many people as possible, um, it was, it was limiting that my only offering was like classes, live classes in person in Seattle. You know, um, I wanted to be able to share, to share jazz yoga with a much broader audience. So, um, really trying to figure out like what, what, 
the solutions would be to to enable that like that that just took a really long time it just took took years to to figure out how i wanted to um, create a video platform and build a team so I, I over the years i trained a number of coaches and um, built an built a whole operation in seattle so it's really like a mobile studio um, of coaches that that go on site to work with with teams and individuals and um, then just also kind of um, navigating like how that would change once i actually left seattle that was that was a big transition um, my team in Seattle like has done amazing by the way, uh, since I've left and it's been really fun to see like them continue to just like do their thing in Seattle. Like without me, there has been, has been really great to see, um, all the athletes that are doing jazz yoga in Seattle are able to continue to practice live with, with coaches that I've mentored myself. Um, but, um, you know, my main focus has been offering really like widely available scalable solutions so that anyone can access jazz yoga so building the video platform and um, my book hit reset that came out this year um, have really helped um, just more people get access to yoga for real yeah speaking of your book so it's I mean it's literally sitting on my desk right now Um, it's funny if I'm completely honest at first I was like there's no way that like yoga or anything like this can be done in book form. Like I was really skeptical, <laughs> to be honest, right? <laughs> it's so good. It's, I mean, when you say that you want to do yoga for real, like the fact that there's like very clear step-by-step pictures and like ways to kind of essentially self-diagnose imbalances or it was, I mean, obviously it's great. I feel like this whole podcast is basically just like me telling you how awesome you are, which is fine because it's true. Uh-oh. But um, yeah, I was really skeptical of it and it's excellent and very like actually just useful, which like that's all that people want. It doesn't have to be more complicated than that, right? Like just give people something that like they can actually use and will make a difference. It doesn't have to be so like fancy, I guess. Um, so right. I'm super interested. Aren't your work? You said you're working on a second book, right? I am. Okay. So tell me about that. Um, so, um, my second book, um, I just started working on is due out spring 2018. Um, the title is work in, um, <laughs> the opposite of work out. <laughs> and I get um, it. I get it. Okay. <laughs> it's, um, I can't, don't have, I can't share a lot about it just yet, but I will say it's, um, it's it's really um, a project that's focused on meditation and restorative practices. Um, whereas Hit Reset is really designed, um, it's kind of like the the foundational like piece of of my work from the last decade of really um, helping you to assess and correct imbalance. Um, that's really what Hit Reset does. Um, work in is, um, is about, um, recovery <laughs> and how to make, um, how to make restorative practices a really, um, real practical integrated part of, uh, your training and your life. Okay. Awesome. Well, I have to wait a while for that one, but I, I will be excited. Um, <laughs> so something else I wanted to ask you, because I know that you have worked with such a wide range of people, right? I know you've trained pro athletes and people who are very much not pro athletes. And so I'm curious what you think those groups could learn from each other. Like what a pro athletes do, the kind of regular amateur runners and athletes should be doing maybe and vice versa. Right. Um, well, I think that 
I mean, if you're, if you're a pro athlete, it's, it's your job to like (laughs) stay healthy. (laughs) Um, like literally like, that's like your paycheck. Um, whereas like the rest of us, like we're, you know, chasing goals for, you know, like 5k PRs and, and whatnot. And it's not like, I mean, it's devastating if we get injured, but it's not like we're not going to like lose a paycheck over it. Um, pro athletes really like take time to do all the little things that really optimize training. Um, I see pros really valuing, uh, more and more I see pros like really valuing their recovery a lot more than everyday athletes do. And that's something that, um, you know, recreational athletes, like more than anything, like that's a page we need to take out of the pro, the pros book. Like it's like recovery is just as important and equally as productive as everything else that you do. Um, and I know it's like, if, if you're really busy and you have, you know, a full-time job and you're trying to fit in marathon training around it, it's, it's really like, it's really hard to like fit it all in. Like I get it, but it's like, if you are skipping out on recovery time, um, you're, you're just, you're, you're missing out and you're not getting as much as you could out of your training and and you're going to pay the price eventually, um, if you're not doing those things, um, you know, yeah. like the, the restorative yoga stuff, like on, on my platform, there's, there's a bunch of different, like restorative, um, yoga ru- routines to address different, different things. Um, if you're not doing that kind of thing, if you're not, um, foam rolling and, you know, all, all, all the different things that you could be doing, um, it's just, it's so important. And I don't see like everyday athletes prioritize recovery the way pros do. Yeah, I agree with that. Something that, um, our friend Sarah Robinson said, who's been, she's been a guest on the podcast, um, that she said, I think it was on her blog or on social media or something about like really the value of, even if it means running, I mean, obviously she's a runner running, you know, a couple less miles, like cutting a run a little bit short. Like it's so easy to get obsessed with like, I want to run 30 miles this week or 50 miles or whatever it is. And being like very, you know, focused on those numbers. And her point was like, it's so worth it to cut out a couple of miles and put that time instead towards some of these like recovery practices and this other stuff, which sounds again, like such simple advice, but just hearing her say that that's really stuck with me that there's been a couple of times, even in the past few months where I'm like, okay, I'm not going to have time to fit everything in okay so run four miles instead of five miles right and like take the time to Mm -hmm. do like one of these things and it's yeah that that's been it was kind of a helpful simple but helpful perspective switch for me yeah for sure I think we just get like hell bent on these like numbers and this like well this the to-do list and it's just like we become really rigid in like our, our approach of like, Oh, this, this, and this need to happen in order for me to like reach this goal time or whatever. And, um, whereas if we could just take a little bit more of a fluid approach sometimes and give ourselves permission to rest when we're, we're like actually too tired to like do whatever was in the plan. Um, will as a result like that's going to carry us forward rather than being super rigid about the plan Mm -hmm. (laughs) so so something I know that we've kind of hit on two of what I would say are the big like stories or excuses that people tell themselves about not being able to do yoga right one being kind of what I was saying of if you're only looking at like 
really thin, super bendy people, right? You can have the story of like, yoga is not for me because that's not my body type, right? Or something like that. And right. then the other one being, well, it's not for me because, you know, it must be nice to have 90 minutes to do this, thing, right? That it's something about the, the time element. Is there anything else that kind of you have heard over the years as common like excuses or stories that people tell themselves about why they can't do yoga? Um, I mean, I would say the number one thing I hear is I'm too inflexible to do yoga. Um, especially men, especially like to say this to me all the time. And, um, like, I, I don't know why people have just such this thing about flexibility, about like seeing yoga as just yoga is flexibility. Like, um, it's like anything, like if you lift weights, you will get stronger. If you stretch and do yoga, you will become more flexible. Like it's as simple as that. <laughs> um, and so people who are like, oh, I'm, I'm too inflexible to do yoga. It's like, well, do you stretch? Do, do you do yoga? And it's like, well, no, it's like, okay, well then it's not that surprising if you're, if you're not flexible. Um, so that's, that's like definitely a, a big one I hear. Um, I hear I don't have time to do yoga a lot. Um, and that's like, again, like just goes back to everything I've been saying about how people think they have to go to an hour, 90 minute class for it to, to make a difference when really five minutes a day will make a way bigger difference than one class a week. Um, so that's a big one. Um, I feel like another one that just to inter- interrupt you for a second, I'm thinking back for me that like I had a hard time getting into it because I'm like, well, yoga's boring. <laughs> like I want, I want yeah. these like, I'm, if you're used to kind of the like hardcore, you know, loud music, high paced, you know, workouts or whatever, it's for the right. same reason that meditation is hard. Like just like doing anything slowly or sitting with yourself is hard, right? For a reason. And yeah. I felt like very wrestle, which is honestly one of the reasons that I think it's nice to be able to start out with smaller chunks, right? Of like, yeah. oh, I'm just going to do this for 10 minutes. I mean, I can find a thousand excuses, even if I do have the time not to do a 45 minute yoga thing, right? Like I just, because yeah. it's so, I don't know, it's, I get restless, I get bored, I get, so I don't know. I think that that's another excuse that people have as well. Oh, for sure. I hear the boring one and I think part of it, yeah, either like they think it's too slow and that's like, um, it's, it's, that's unfamiliar and out, out of their comfort zone, like to move more slowly. And I think actually that's why a lot of people like have this idea, like meditation is too just boring or too hard. Um, because like it's, it's just out of their comfort zone. Like a lot of runners will say to me, Oh, well running is my meditation. And, um, it's not I the totally, same. It's not, I totally get that. Like I run and I like, know I like know that feel like I know exactly what they're saying when they say running is my meditation. But like my like counter to that is like meditate, like meditating daily, like gives you this baseline of calm and ease that then makes everything you do more easeful, including your run. I'm not saying it's going to, it's not going to make you like all sleepy and dopey. Like it brings you this sense of, um, this baseline of, of ease that then makes you way more effective in everything that you're doing. Um, so yeah, I think like with the boredom thing, it's just, it's a matter of like, it's, it's a matter of discomfort, um, just getting out of the comfort zone. Um, and it's, it's kind of similar to how, like, um, you know how, like, if you're doing a stretch that, like, if you, if you try to, like, stretch your hamstring and, 
Actually, let me back up and just ask you this. Have you ever done a stretch and your muscle has started like shaking a little bit or trembling? Yeah. So basically like that is happening because your muscles are confused, right? So it's like, oh, if you only move your, your muscle from point A to point B, so I'm a runner and all I do is this one motion. This is all I do every day. And so it's just moving in within this very like short specific range of motion. So then it shouldn't be a surprise that then when you go to stretch, your muscle starts to shake because it is confused. Like your brain is going code red, like code red, because there is a discrepancy between like what your like what your brain thinks is possible based on your habitual use of that muscle and what is actually possible. So like when you do yoga, like you're, you're reminding your body of what is actually possible. Like what is the full range of motion available to you? And that's very uncomfortable because you're just not used to doing it. Um, Mm -hmm. but that's why we need to do it. We need to remind ourselves of like everything, all the, all the range of motion and, and everything that's available to us in our body that just like, we just don't use because we, most of us have a pretty like particular set of things that we do. Yeah. And being willing to, yeah, to get outside your comfort zone. I mean, I'm definitely, I was kind of laughing to myself when you were saying runners that are like, well, running is my meditation. Cause I definitely used to be one of those people. And it's only now that I've actually started dedicating myself to for real building a meditation practice. And I'm like, oh yeah, I used to say that because running is in my comfort zone and meditation is not. And sure. There can be kind of like a peaceful, I guess, sort of meditative quality to running sometimes, right? Like I'm not going to deny that, but it is so much not the same. It's not the same activity. And like, it's for me, the thing that helped both with yoga and with meditation was like, I needed to kind of switch perspectives and like get a handle on like the purpose and the intention behind each one. Like you said, it's not like, it's not enough for me to just say, Oh, I'm going to meditate so that I can check that off my to-do list. I've tried that many times in the past and that's never actually worked. It was actually kind of coming to terms with the benefits that I want from kind of learning to train my mind the same way that I do with my body. And then Mm -hmm. with yoga, it was having to get clear about kind of how that is complementary to the other things. Like it's not just something to do or I'm doing it because someone else says so. And so the fact that I'm doing it to be complementary means that it should feel completely different than how running feels, right? Mm -hmm. And it's fine if it's uncomfortable or I know I think there's any time for someone who wants to try something new or if meditation or yoga hasn't been successful because I spent a long time, both of those not being successful, is like being willing to kind of dig into your, like the perspective that you're bringing to it. Right. And like, what if it's fine that what you thought you needed from it is actually different? Like if the experience of it is different, what if it's fine that you are bored and restless, right? Like sometimes that's going to happen and just Mm -hmm. like letting the experience be what it is as, I don't know, that was really helpful for me. Yeah, definitely. Like, and sometimes I think like, oh, if you're like, if you're meditating and you just like, you just have a crappy session, like you're just like distracted or uncomfortable or you know, or your kid starts losing their shit in the next room or like whatever. Um, like then it's like, oh, well, that was a waste of time, but it's not, right. that's the thing. It's like, doing it's, it. It's right. not, yeah. it's like doing it and doing it every day that matters. And really it's like when you get to that point where it is like this non-negotiable priority, like you don't have to be rigid about it. It's not like it has to happen at exactly 9, 9 a.m. every day. Like you don't have to be rigid about it, but if it's this, this like non-negotiable, like 
just priority to you, then it becomes like this easy, like just part of your life, like brushing your teeth rather than just another thing on your to-do list. And that's like really when it like is, is like game changing. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. So switching gears a little bit, something else that I know that you're really passionate about is the need, how you describe it, the need for women to be way more gentle with themselves and more real with each other postpartum. So I would love for you to talk about that. Yeah. Um, I mean, as it's, it's like nothing can, nothing can prepare you to, to become a mom really. And like, I would say I was like, totally, I was totally like unrealistic about like what that would look like for me. I basically just assumed that I would be able to continue to, um, like manage the same workload that I always have, like with no childcare. I have no idea like where I like got this idea from, but, but, um, um, the timing actually of, of, um, of the production of hit reset, uh, happened when my baby was three months old, basically all the sort of editing and designing. And it's a very like intensive, like, um, almost two months of just like putting the book together. And I had no childcare during this time. And, uh, my husband has a, has a very, very busy work and travel schedule. So I basically was just like single parenting and like working on production of this book. And it nearly, it nearly destroyed me. I'll be totally honest. Like, I love that book. I'm so proud of it, but it nearly like destroyed me, like the, the production of it. And, um, I remember specifically like at the end, right when I had, um, got it done and like kind of off to the printer, I just like was so, so depleted and like I had like lost all this weight and I just, I felt awful and frazzled and, um, like, and I would go to these, uh, mommy and baby yoga classes, which is like one of my favorite things to do with my, with my girl. And like women would like ask me like, Oh, like, how did you get in shape so fast? And like, like I was like getting that like a lot and it was making me feel really uncomfortable. And I was like kind of having a hard time, like placing exactly why. And finally, like, um, finally a a good friend of mine who I hadn't seen like for a while, I saw her and she was like, you look like shit. And I was like, I just like started like crying because I just it was so refreshing to like have someone like actually like like see that like and um like just um recognize like the toll that just adjusting to motherhood was taking on me whereas like everyone else was just like saying like oh you lost your baby weight really fast like you're so like how did you like do that and I just it, it felt like this really um it felt so superficial and, and also like, that's how women are sizing them each other up. Like, Oh, like what's her size? Like how, you know, has she lost her baby weight yet? Rather than anyone like, just like asking, how are you, how are you doing? Like, um, which is like the real question, like moms need to be asking each other and women need to be asking each other. Um, but like as a new mom, like I was just encountering like that a lot and just seeing like women just sizing themselves each other up in that way, like 
made me so, so upset. And so, yeah, when this, when this friend of mine was just like, you look like shit, it just like, it helped me like acknowledge that I like was not well, I like was not taking care of myself and, um, getting get just having someone to like have real talk with about like really like how I was, what was going on, like helped me to, um, turn the corner and, you know, really take real steps to, to find a better balance. Um, and I guess like now I, I see a lot like, um, you know, after you have a baby, the, like the desire to like get your body back and like just get yourself back is, is real. It is, but it takes 18 months for your body to return to its pre pregnancy state, 18 months, which makes sense after you've like, you know, had a, had a tiny human in there for nine months. And, um, you know, even like on social media, like everyone's like talking about like their, you know, postpartum, like, you know, fitness and baby bounce back stuff. And it just like, it makes my stomach turn a lot of this stuff. Like I recently saw some, some woman like ran a five or 10 K like four weeks postpartum. Um, and it just like, it, it makes me like, it makes me really upset because, um, the two most important things postpartum are rest and nutrition. And I just don't see moms talking about the resting that they're doing or encouraging each other to really like rest. Instead, it's like, you know, all these posts about like, um, fitness, postpartum fitness and, um, like the way, like what I've encountered just in interacting with other new moms, like the way women like are just sizing each other up is just really, really unhealthy. Um, so, and I have to admit, like, I was a little bit guilty of it myself. Like, there's this thing like, oh, once you're six weeks postpartum, um, like, you're fine. <laughs> Get back out there, carry on. But, like, that's such an arbitrary number, and it's so different for for every woman. And I just, like, like my wish, like, for myself and for moms and for all women is just, like, give yourself a fucking break. Yeah. Like serious, seriously, especially if you just like made a human, <laughs> like give yourself a break because like really like the last thing you need to be doing, well, kind of like, you know, just like with athletes, like it's the last thing you need is, is another workout, like rest. It's yeah. okay. It's okay. Um, no, I, I mean, so. I, I love that. I love everything you said. I feel like this is sometimes when I'm thinking about the podcast, I, I start to think about what are things that I wish people were talking about more that maybe they aren't talking about. Right. And, and then I think, I mean, obviously for me, not having kids, what you just said doesn't necessarily pop into my mind so much, but I think it's so refreshing to hear everything that you just said. Like, I'm just, I really have nothing to add other than that. I'm really grateful that you just said that. And I think that, I don't know. It brings up the like larger, which could be a, um, you know, a, a huge conversation that we could have another time that we don't have time for now <laughs> is about like not making like with, like with women, not making each other's bodies, the focal point of any conversation, right? Like why, right. I don't know, like there's, it doesn't surprise me that, that it made you feel like icky and not good that that's what people were commenting on and praising you on, especially if you're not doing well. I don't know. Like I just, 
Yeah. Well, it's, and it's like, oh, you look like, like you look like everyone wants to say like to like women post natally, like, oh, you look great. Or, but even just in general, even if, if you're, if you don't have a baby, it's like, oh, you look great. Like, it's like, it's not helpful. It's not productive. Like ask, ask a more productive question. Like, please. There's other things um, we can talk about, right? Like it's, yeah. it's actually really funny. I have had to unlearn and obviously I'm not perfect at it, but kind of unlearn that like default thing of complimenting people on their bodies. Yeah. It's like a weird thing that we're great. Like I, I vividly remember the time when I was in college and I came home to visit my parents and I was, I mean, I guess I had just become more aware of this kind of stuff. And, you know, my mom, I mean, she's very well-meaning, but would always, oh, you look so thin or you look this or you look so tan or like there was always, and it would always kind of make me uncomfortable and I couldn't really pinpoint why. And we finally Mm -hmm. had to have a conversation of, it would be so awesome if you just didn't comment on my body at all. Like literally at all. There's so many other things that we can talk about. And I just, and I mean, it took her a while to get it. And it took me a while to get that. That's also like, just not something that we have to do, right? Like that there's so many more interesting things I think about someone than their body. I don't know. I mean, this could, like I said, be a whole other conversation, but I'm glad that you shared what you shared. So thank you for that. Yeah, sure. And I mean, at the end of the day, well, sort of like, like body image, like aside, I think like a lot of that with just, um, just fitness and postpartum fitness, it's a matter of like output versus input and like all this, like, like social sharing about like, like, um, you know, um, stroller running or whatever, whatever. It's like perpetuating more of this, like doing like do, 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 do more, do more, do more. And no one's like talking about like resting (laughs) or anything restorative that they've done. And I think especially like for new moms, it's like really unproductive to be talking about like the workouts that you've just fit in when like most of the time, unless you are like a superhuman, like elite athlete, um, you know, where it might be, make more sense for you to be, um, getting back into training sooner than the average woman. Um, you know, I just think, I just think it's really like unproductive and like, I would just like to see more of a conversation about how like women are, taking care of themselves. And as a result, like <laughs> you will be much better able to look after your baby and your family. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's something that I just like am thinking about a lot. And like, I just have a desire to have much more like real conversations about that. And I've actually like, I've just like, I don't know, maybe it's, maybe it's like where I am and where I live right now. And just, you know, being newer to London and just having a newer set of friends. It's just, um, I found very few women that I can just have like really real conversations with about that. And I think it's really important to like have people that you can be really real and raw with about that stuff. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So before we start to wrap up, is there anything that you really wanted to share that didn't come up yet in the conversation? Mm, Anything else? Um, I guess to anyone, I guess I would just like to say to anyone who like um, has never done yoga or if you've done yoga and you think you don't like yoga, like try it, like 
give it another try. And I would encourage those people to, um, you know, a great starting point with yoga is um, to simply use it to become more aware of your imbalances so that you can address them. Like that's yoga for real. Um, And um, yeah, I would just really encourage people to like mm, challenge themselves to, to think of it in that context and think about how, like how can you use yoga to benefit everything else that you're doing? So like, I'm not trying to turn you into a yogi. Like I want, um, I want you to think about how you could use yoga to, to achieve whatever your goals might be. Um, I love that. Yeah. So the way that we end these episodes are with what we call community questions. So it's questions that Real Talk Radio listeners have put forward and want me to ask all of the eight guests this season. So I have nine kind of random rapid fiery questions for you if you are down for that. Yeah, sure. Okay. The first one, what is your favorite thing to eat for breakfast? Breakfast? um, At the moment, I am pretty into porridge. I'm just because it's winter and I like to have something just warm with lots of, um, I just like eat, will eat nut butter off of a spoon. I'm obsessed with it. Cashew, almond, hazelnut, any kind of nut butter. Porridge is a very English answer of you. I like that. I know it is. I've gone native, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, next question. What's the biggest challenge or obstacle that you're facing right now, either personally or professionally? maintaining balance. (laughs) Amen. Full circle. (laughs) Um, which regular habit or behavior do you feel has most contributed to your happiness in the last couple of years? Meditation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like that. That's, I don't know that what you said before about doing something consistently, like that's when you're going to see the benefits from it. Right. Definitely. So continuing on with the topic of habits, what's one daily or regular habit that you would love to develop or something that you'd love to experiment with? I would love to develop or experiment with. Um, Daily habit. Um, Wait, daily habit or hobby? Sorry. Habit or just like something in general that you would like to add to your life maybe. Oh, add to my life. Um, to be honest, you know what? The first thing I just thought of like day was uh, something that I would like to like take away, take away at the moment. Like for me, it's, 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 um, it's about doing less, not more. And so I'm, my focus is really on like optimizing like this, this sort of small set of things that are really important to me. There's, there's lots of, I have like many other interests, but it's kind of like at this point, my baby is my priority. And I'm in this sort of, you know, short window of time when she, when she is so tiny and like as hard as it can be day to day. Um, that's, that's, that's my top focus and priority. So given that, like the the thing that I just, that immediately I thought of that I would like to take away is I'm trying to create more boundaries around uh, my use of social media because Mm. more and more I'm just finding it to be, um, a distraction and a time suck. (laughs) Yeah, totally. No, I I hear that for sure. And I, I love that you flipped that question on its head. That's fun. I like that. Um, tell us some of the best advice that you have ever received. The best advice I have ever received, um, I think 
the first thing that popped into my mind, something my mom said to me once, like when I was um, first kind of starting off teaching full time, um, she and I was just like feeling really overwhelmed about like how I was going to like just pull it all together and like make all these dreams happen. She said to me, it doesn't all have to happen at once. Like, and just so simple, but something that I remind myself of all the time um, as someone who, you know, um, takes on a lot and I have a lot of, a lot of big goals. Um, just reminding myself, it doesn't all have to happen at once. I find really helpful. That's such good advice. Totally. Um, what's something that you really love about yourself? Um, I love that I am moving a lot slower (laughs) at the moment. Um, yeah, that's the first thing that popped into my, to my mind, moving, moving slower. Um, and that's something that I've really worked on and, um, that's taken really a lot of time for me to transition into, um, moving slower, um, at the moment. That's something I really, I really love about myself. How do you pull yourself out of like a funk or a rut for you? What works to get you reengaged in your work when you're feeling really just like blah and you don't want to do it? Um, meditating (laughs) or, which is usually the last thing I want to do when I feel like that, or just going, going for a walk and getting some fresh air and like just physically like changing my perspective. Um, I find really helpful or sometimes like I was talking about earlier, just being willing to like scrap the plan can be really hard, especially if there's something that feels like you, if you feel this sense of urgency to like get something done, like, but sometimes you'll just like sit at a blank screen, like just, and it's a waste of time, like just pushing yourself to try to do it. If you, if you, you just can't, it's the, the juju is just not there. Sometimes you have to give yourself permission to, um, to change the plan. Yeah. Yeah. So good. <laughs> um, so the next question is about books, which mm-hmm. two or three books, they could be any genre, any type of book, would you say have either had the biggest impact on you or that you recommend or reread the most? Um, Elena Brower's art of attention, um, is a book that changed my life. Um, it's a yoga book. Um, but, um, that book has just changed my life and actually gave me a load of inspiration for, um, my vision for, for my own book and creating something really, uh, visual and immersive. Um, so yeah, art of attention. That's one of, one of my favorites. Um, nothing else is immediately popping into my mind right now, to be honest. Well, the first answer is um, the right answer, right? So I've been doing a lot of good, good night moon lately. <laughs> good night moon. I remember that, man, that book's still around. <laughs> it funny. is indeed. So the last question, if you could leave our community, the listeners with one call to action right now, maybe a question to ask, ask themselves or a small action to take, what would it be? Put your legs up the wall for five minutes yes. today <laughs> and then do it every day forevermore and it will change your life <laughs> forever and ever. Amen. Um, well, which brings us to something super, super generous that you are doing for our listeners. You have a special offer, a treat for them. Why don't you share that? 
Yes. Um, I would love for, for you to try some jazz yoga. Um, and like I said before, I think that the, the best way to kind of start is to just think about your imbalances. Um, and so I'd like to share a free month of jazz yoga video for you. Uh, use code real talk reset, real talk reset. Yeah. Um, for a free month of jazz yoga video at video.jazzyoga.com. And like, I think a great place to start on there. Uh, cause there's, there's loads of stuff is, um, the yoga for balance collection, um, would be a great place. Um, or you could also try, there's a, there's a series called the hit reset book collection, which is actually all of the self tests from my book, um, which actually walk you through some of really what I'm talking about, assessing and becoming more aware of your imbalances so that you can start to address them. Yeah, this is super generous of you. Also, I mean, like I said, I I mean, I pay for this every month. It's like the best money that I spend. It's so good. And the fact that you guys get to try a month for free, definitely do it. Real Talk Reset. I will put links to everything in the show notes. Um, Erin, what's the best place for people to find you and say hi online? Um, Well, even though... (laughs) Even though I'm trying to create boundaries around social media, um, I, I love I love to hear from people um, about their experience um, with yoga and um, yoga for real. Um, so I'm Erin Erin Jazz Yoga on Twitter and Instagram, and um, Jazz Yoga is Jazz Yoga HQ on Twitter and Instagram. And I will put all of that stuff in the show notes. This was so much fun. Thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Nicole. And that's our show for today. Thanks so much for listening and for being part of the Real Talk Radio family. I couldn't do this without you. And as I said way back at the top of the episode, this is now a 100% listener-supported show. The show is made possible by people like Jules. Hi, Jules. Hi, Nicole. So we're going to play a quick three-question round of my favorite game, which is Would You Rather. You ready? Uh, okay. Let's make it. <laughs> You're like, maybe. Maybe I'm ready. I'm not maybe, sure. Maybe. Uh, um, would you rather have a horse's tail or a unicorn's horn? Oh. Oh. Can I have both? I mean, I guess. <laughs> I mean, well, no, because it's would you rather, so you have to pick one. Hmm. Well... I'm going to go with a unicorn's horn because you know what's under a pony's tail, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at first yes, I thought there, there might be some puns. I would take the tail because it would be easier to hide, but I think the unicorn's horn would be awesome. Exactly, because I mean, I mean, you're you're to, with a unicorn's horn, you're a magnificent creature you know yeah i'm into it i like it all right unicorn horn for us all right right. um would you rather always have to be naked or always smell really bad oh oh well i think i'd rather always be naked (laughs) mainly because i just like smells are kind of this i don't do bad smells yeah they just kind of no no all right, you're, you, you are naked with your unicorn horn. <laughs> We're building quite a picture here. Okay, the last one. Uh, would you rather be stranded on an island for the rest of your life alone or stranded on that same island with someone awful who you really hate? Well, who? Um, I would have to say I'd have to be by myself. I mean, I can find, I'm, I'm okay being by myself. I mean, but if it's someone that I truly just cannot stand, that just 
would be torture. Yeah, I agree. I feel like my first inclination is to like give the situation the benefit of the doubt that maybe if we had to be there just us forever, that like eventually things would improve. But what if they don't? And then you're just they were just completely awful for the rest of my no, I couldn't do that. Yeah, yeah. And I know that I'm awesome. So I could be alone with me. So there you go. (laughs) Awesome. So why don't you introduce yourself to the rest of the listeners real quick? Tell everyone where you live and one thing that you are totally obsessed with lately. Okay. Um, I'm Jules. I live in Des Moines, Iowa. And something that I'm obsessed with right now is Duolingo. I'm actually learning Spanish because I have a friend who she's currently in Guatemala, but she's going to be in Lima in about five weeks. And I'm going to go visit her over Christmas. Uh, That sounds awesome. I've heard nothing but amazing things about Duolingo. For anyone who's listening, it's basically a language learning app, right? I've never used it, but I've heard it's incredible. I can say uh, my roommate is using it for um, Italian or French, one of the two. And I just started it like right around Christmas and I've just been doing it every day since then. (laughs) And what is it just like a couple minutes a day or how does it work? Yeah, I was gonna say like you download it and you can also do it online too. um, And you just do like start with basic stuff and then it builds from there. And then as you progress, sometimes you go backwards and like you can set how many points or whatever to learn your skills. And right now I'm kind of high up. So um, I do like three or four lessons a day and there's some like bots and stuff that you can type back and forth with. So it's, it's really immersive. That's (laughs) awesome. Yeah. I've downloaded it, but I haven't actually used it yet. So this is my nudge to check it out. So that's good. Um, So you are a member of our Patreon support squad, which means that you're one of the people that listeners can thank for making the podcast possible since you make a small and powerful pledge that helps to fund the costs of producing the show each season. And I would love for you to share first why you decided to support the show. And second, one thing that that you love about being in our community? Um, uh, well, I found uh, your podcast uh, through Julia's um, Running on Ohm, and I really liked the exchange between the the, the portion of Real Talk um, portions that you did, and so then I became obsessed with your podcast, and then when you went away from the advertising model, because well, let's face it, it didn't quite fit with the whole flow of... Um, just chatting with everybody. So I'm like, well, okay, am I going to spend this on, you know, something else? I'm like $8 every other month. Not, not bad. I can do that, you know? And so then I was like, I'm just going to pay for this because I like this to keep happening. (laughs) So that is what got me started on that. And, um, I'll be honest, I don't play around on Patreon a lot, but, um, it seems like a very kind of warm, just kind of chatting back and forth. And it opened up that I could, you know, have this call with you. And then also it's kind of fun to listen to the other um, interviews with just regular listeners. Yeah, isn't that fun? Everyone in the community is so nice. I mean, maybe I'm biased because I think you guys are just the best, but it's been so fun. Um, I I know you filled out the survey that I sent out at the beginning of 2017, kind of just like getting feedback on the bonus content that people want, all that kind of stuff. It's just been so awesome to start to get to know you guys better. And there's lots of fun things. We're going to start a book club. We're going to do all kinds of stuff. So I am very excited. And thank you for being brave and for joining me for this. Well, you're welcome. And to everyone listening, if you love the podcast, if you want to help keep it going, if you want over 30 hours of bonus content with new stuff added every month, just go to patreon.com slash Nicole Antoinette to make your pledge of $8 or more for each eight episode season. 
I can't tell you how much your support means to me, and I can't wait to get to know you better behind the scenes in our community. So until next time, here's a big virtual hug and a reminder that we're all just doing the best we can, and no matter what, we're in this together. 